I'd like to begin this episode by thanking some people, people like the Sea Peoples, just all of them, um, Jackal All Trades, and Harry Samways. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Booing that name. <laughs> like, hey. oh, man. All of these are people, uh, booed names or not, who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and uh, kicked us some money and gotten cool stuff in return. Not just the thanks, but content and things like that. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly show where we answer your questions and discuss topics and read your responses. Yeah, hidden responses to February's games, which because of the way podcasts and memory work, I forget what they were. We recorded that last week. We split this one up. Uh, so uh, it has been jettisoned into the memory pit. Yeah. Uh, nothing matters. Only the now. <laughs> uh, speaking of, let's get into it. Yeah. The, uh, I got a question here from Casey. Casey says, what do you think your favorite songwriter's souls build would be? Personally, I think Bob Mould from Husker Du would run a Dex slash Spear build. Stephen Malkmus would be a longsword, lightly armored knight guy. And all shoegazers are mages. <laughs> Thanks and have a great day. Yeah. Um, I think that um, John Darnielle would end up being uh, kind of like a try to go for a, for, for a hex caster who also used heavy armor and a mace. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I not totally sure. I, I think that Bob mold, I don't know that he would be Dex hmm. spear. I, maybe I just think of uh, that guy is more intimidating. Yeah, yeah, it's, like it's a, big, a kind of a tough guy. I don't know. Maybe it's Almost. only like the the like the Husker dude that I know. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- that music is a little bit more intense on it's the heavy. intense side of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, maybe like a um, like a faith spear mm. kind of thing to shoot lightning and shit. Yeah, kind of see that. Either that's kind of like a dragon force or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weirdly tricky question, Casey. Yeah, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh generally my favorite musicians would be like video games <laughs> yeah. get out of here yeah probably i, I, I end up i end up the, almost universally the musicians that i that, that i favor toward are the people who in interviews have been asked and they said yeah i lost like two weeks to grand theft auto once in the early 2000s and i decided never again yeah you know just quitting yeah they're busy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like us, I suppose, is the implication. I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the, the horrifying things that we're saying about all gamers. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the um yeah, astute people in the audience will know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. 
Uh, Bo writes, you've talked about your individual gaming psychographics on the show before. Uh, what compels your compression in games, draws you from one game to another, etc. Uh, as well as those types which you feel are totally alien to your experience. The difficulty chasers or 100% completionists or 10,000 hours in a live service type gamers. I was wondering if you feel that your psychographic has changed as you've done duck feed, uh, as, as you've done duck feed, uh, or if not, if you would like to change how your compulsions may drive your play. I rarely let myself languish in media and I feel most comfortable when trying to fill every free second of my day with some, with new things to read, watch or play. Despite this, I often wish I could settle into a, into a familiar comfort instead of constantly trying to build my personal library of experiences up. Thanks for thanks for the show. Thank you, Bo. Yeah, uh, always like that name, Bo. Yeah. Um, um, this yeah. is kind of, this is a little bit related to the topic question that we have. You know, yeah. Just, uh, but like, I think the the we can we can save the answers that would be better for that for this. But uh, like, has our psychographic changed? For me, it is impossible to kind of disaggregate because I have been doing duck feed my entire independent adult life. In some mm. form or fashion, you know, like WAF started when I was 23, you know, like a year and change out of college. Uh, and so I could say something like, oh, my relationship with time has changed, but that's just being an adult. So mm. it's hard. It's hard to say, uh, attribute what is, uh, you know, down to playing games for the show and what is down to just I started at, at, at 23 and now I'm 35. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, and, and most of, you know, I haven't been doing duck feed for most of that. I had my twenties, mm -hmm. but I, I've been doing it for, you know, half of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, for me, I don't think it's changed so much as solidified because I've had to talk about it. Yeah. So like the experience of me going up against a game that is not something that I think that I would like very much. that doesn't hold appeal. Mm -hmm. um, for me would be the kind of thing that previous to this, uh, I would just fall off of yeah, or I would push myself through and have a vague sense of dissatisfaction Yes, that I didn't understand because I didn't, uh, wasn't really asking myself to think about it, mm -hmm. you know? So I talked about before, like San Andreas ancient game, but like the <laughs> first game where I went through and I was trying to collect all the packages or something. And I was like, God, this fucking blows. Mm -hmm. like this sucks so bad i hate every moment of this <laughs> like i went out and bought a guide so i could have it next to the couch okay for like looking up where the stuff i couldn't find yeah like the packages and and then i you know if i had done that now i would be like oh i ain't doing that that fucking sucks and here's why like i i, <laughs> I know why that is just pointless busy work yes you know to me to my mind demographic people who love collecting things mm -hmm. you know love collecting things right um so I just, I would have just forced myself through <laughs> or I would just quit, which happened. Like I would play, you know, the first, uh, 10 hours of like Xeno blade, Xeno blade two, yeah. or, uh, Xeno, uh, Xeno saga rather. Yes. Xeno saga two and be like, this fucking oh. sucks, man. Hit the bricks. You mean, you mean <laughs> Xeno saga, uh, part two. Um, oh gosh. Uh, uh, Derville Zermacht. Yes. They all had yeah. pretentious German Nietzsche quotes. It, yeah. Exactly. The, yeah. uh, and I, I would play it. And I would just be like, man, this fucking sucks. And just stop and never think about it again. <laughs> you know? And then if, if Derek was like, Hey man, what'd you think about that? I'd be like, yeah, that sucks. And that'd be the end of the discussion. Yeah. No, yeah. you know, it was just simpler time. So like, I think I still was generally driven by a lot of the same things. Like if I go back far enough, mm -hmm. um, 
there are like a lot of games that are really important to me when I were young have bits about that are important to me now. Yes. You know? Um, but I, I just, it didn't question it. It's yeah. more about being able to articulate the psychographic than it changing that much. It's kind of like, you know, getting a, you know, getting a name for something lets you draw like a boundary around it and understand it and conquer it better. You know, yeah, we've just spent a lot of time kind of very frustratingly uh, kind of applying a lexicon to stuff that, you know, just we would otherwise kind of leave unsaid and therefore it just kind of comes up a lot more, you know, or is better articulated, I guess. Yeah. And just, or even if not better articulated, if we don't want to blow our own horn. No, yeah. I'm not saying that you're doing that, but uh, attempted to be articulated, which sounds like that's a minimum thing, like, oh, even attempted. But a lot of times you just don't articulate stuff. Yeah. You know, like uh, there's a weird, you know, a dream way to live in -hmm. some ways, right? Like would be like, I I really like the act of of criticism and and critically thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, like I am... I understand the appeal of no, I just, if I feel like playing this, I'm going to play this mm-hmm. and then it's fun. And it's like, Oh, this is, this is fun. And just being there, mm-hmm. like living in that moment, yeah. you know, no, this was good. I don't need to think about it. <laughs> um, that's, there's an appeal to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, chapel says, uh, I recently got a small treadmill for my office with the intent to walk and play video games at the same time. After almost getting yeeted ass first into the hallway the first time I tried to jump into Sekiro, I've had to recon- Jane, stop this crazy thing. I've had to reconsider what games are treadmill friendly. What are some of your favorite slow-paced, controller-friendly games uh, that you've played over the years? My brain is too smooth for D-O- uh, DOTS2, uh, but uh, turn-based RPG seems like strong contenders i don't know what dots two is maybe they're trying to say dota, dota? then yeah. i thought yeah, i was like defense of the shanchants <laughs> i was like trying to figure it out there as well um <laughs> i i when i uh was like i've now been listening to an audiobook and walking around mm-hmm. for exercise generally when i was doing uh bike and video game stuff i did an isaac run yeah um because i know it super well that would be my answer. Like something that you just know very well. Uh, you know, that this game is super uh, tricky until you know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it maybe wouldn't be good, but maybe something that has that kind of loop where you get a complete game experience. Yeah. You know, like uh, like a monster train run. Like it's turn-based and stuff. You can take as long as you want to make decisions. Yeah. But you get a complete game during a mo- your workout. A monster train run would be a very good way to do that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's just about the right just about the right length. If you're doing it every day, a half hour on the bike makes, makes perfect sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, no time demand or anything. Uh, this, th- this, this is uh, somewhat tough because like people, people that I've heard, they talk you know, people that I've heard talk about this, talk about like, Oh, that's where I play JRPGs. That's not what I would do. So it's not what I would recommend, but that is an option that is there for me. Mm-hmm. The ideal version of this um, uh, back when I, um, uh, use the exercise bike a little bit more instead of now I do more like a, like a rowing machine kind of thing, um, uh, was <laughs> an ex, it was like, it was like a, a console version. I think it might've been 360, maybe PS3 of civilization revolution. Oh, huh. 
I can see that working. Yeah. Just uh, fine. Because yeah. because that is the simplified version of Civ that is uh that is made. Like the version of it that I played a lot of was on the DS even. It's just mm-hmm. it's mechanically identical. Yeah. It came out on the 360. Um <laughs> so, it's on phones too. Like yeah. Civ Revolutions is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I would say Civ Rev uh would be would would be a good one. Get that uh, just a you know one more turn uh 4x strategy kind of thing going. Uh it's relatively simple, you know. Uh mm-hmm. it's been it's been simpl- you know simplified from like the the core base game. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. I I've tried to do uh JRPGs with that, but the trick is you run into a cutscene and then it's like, and- yeah. And then I'm not, then I'm somehow not doing something. I lose motivation. While I'm exercising. Yeah. And then I remember that I'm exercising and mm-hmm. it's boring and it hurts. Uh, yeah. And then I want to <laughs> die. So I need, I need more engagement. Like yes. even like grinding, I could see it working. But if you run into a talky bit, yeah. I'd be like, well, I can't be on the treadmill during this talky bit. No. You know? No. No. Yeah. Um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that you almost uh, got sent out into the hallway. Uh, Jets on yeah. style. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lewis writes, you've often referenced Tower of Latria uh, to describe aspects of other games not restricted to Souls or FromSoft. Happy to report that I finally played Demon Souls for the first time on PlayStation 5. Latria is so good and so gross. Uh, also, I love how the first section in the prison feels so indifferent to you as a player. Made me think of the end of Portal a little bit. Have you had any more recent game experiences that captured that cool, I'm not supposed to be here feeling, like the Clockwork Mansion in Dishonored 2? Um, anyways, love the show. Y'all are great. Uh, there's a bunch of that feeling I think of as uh, broken down into like sub feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, the Clockwork Mansion is portal in that you are behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That like gives you a behind the walls uh, feeling yeah. you know, of a production. That's like a specific thing. Yeah. And then there's uh, Latria, the jail, which is like, I never really put this together, but that's a good point. Like the jail does feel indifferent to you because it doesn't feel like a video game level. Right. Like it's laid out not in a way that's particularly conducive to gaming. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's it's long boring hallways and a lot of like parallel identical zones mm-hmm. um so that that indifference of i'm not supposed to be here because it's not really a place where video games take place and then there's the i'm not supposed to be here because i'm trespassing that's the uh, big one for me and that yeah. like the your example would be i mean any number of immersive sims but especially thief simulator yeah thief simulator is great at that it's is the big thing that i got uh when i first played maniac mansion mm-hmm uh, as a kid, that was like a huge part of that appeal to me. Thief Simulator, uh, big shout out to the Thief Simulator sequel, mm-hmm. American Theft 80s, which uh, I need to go back to. I put like five or six hours into that mm-hmm. and started it. Um, it just adds the possibility, adds to the possibility space. Yeah. Of a you know, bigger town, more stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. a really great place for that feeling. Yeah, I need to dig into that. Um, for that behind the scenes one, uh, a real good version of that was, was it a Bioshock two level where it was the, yeah. uh, the, the edu- amusement park. Y- yeah. The educational amusement park about how yeah. great Andrew Ryan is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that stuff is great. And contrast it with the, um, the theme park, uh, you know, like clan land or whatever it was called in Bioshock <laughs> infinite yeah. where you don't really go behind the scenes. Like you go into a couple like little side rooms and you get to see an Abraham Lincoln or a, you know, a, a George Washington robot being built, mm-hmm. but you don't spend the whole time kind of like behind in the, the rigging yeah, and stuff. Yeah. That's the cool part. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's where every kid wants to go. Cause you can't go there. 
I know. Well, it's no. forbidden and therefore desirable. Mm -hmm. What is up with my forbidden closet of uh, gears <laughs> that will tear your fucking arm off, kid? <laughs> the, uh, Clayton uh, asked, uh, hey, guys, hope you're well. Uh, I was wondering if you guys had any, in any input on the whole Flash game era, a la AndCon, Armor Games, Mini Clip. I'm in my 20s, and those were some of the best games I've ever played, some even outranking AAA games that people play today. Uh, I mean, Flash games were fun. Like, the New Games era was great. My problem is... New it's, Grounds. It, what, what did I say? You said New Games era. Oh, yeah, New Games. Like you're, well, like that, you're running for president. That, 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 like that, I'm that. introducing something called New Games for uh, something yeah, I'm called New Citizens. That, that, that's what I called it because it was such a great place to go and play New Games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah the new, game. new Games place. I've experimented with something I call a new man. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I feel like I was like just, just about the right, uh, like, like, like just about the right age for this when it, uh, um, uh, like kind of had its biggest era. Like mm -hmm. I was 13 in the year 2000, you know? So, you know, just juvenile enough to match the tenor of the humor of people who dedicated themselves to making flash games. It's, yeah. it's, it's difficult because I can't actually remember, like I can't name a specific one that was, you know, an obsession or anything because it, you just kind of cycled through them. They felt very disposable. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them were about like punting Osama bin Laden through a field goal. There was an like, awful, things like that. an awful lot of either helping or hindering the raid on Elian Gonzalez's home. Yes. Yeah. Like either putting up shields to protect him and changing history <laughs> or, or commanding a strike team, uh, <laughs> crack commando Navy seals to go grab that kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, you know, and then there was the, uh, the balloon boy. And, I, the, <laughs> the balloon boy was a decade pop. later. Come on. I know. Yeah, pop I, uh, largely missed the cycle through era uh -huh. of this. Like I still was playing games, but, uh, the idea of like, cycling through i didn't do so i played almost exclusively uh spider-man city raid god it's so good oh black I, betty i love spider-man city. <laughs> Spider city raid and then uh at my job i worked at the copier program uh at niu one of the big plus sides of that job is that uh it was mostly on call so i had tons of free time i don't think i was supposed to have tons of free time i think my boss thought i was busy but i wasn't <laughs> um so i would like bring in drum machines and shit to like do work and things I, I, you know, uh, did not do a good job, but the, um, I played tons of desktop tower defense, Oh yeah. uh, just hours, mm -hmm. like got very, very far up the, the tree of desktop tower defense. Yeah. Uh, the, the way that you can master a game only if you're doing it instead of your job, yep. you know, like if you're <laughs> at work doing it, like it just like, man, I will do this instead mm -hmm. of. You know, I, I don't, I don't really know what I was supposed to be doing that I wasn't doing, I guess like just going and checking, making sure the copiers were still going, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like <laughs> one by one across campus kind of, kind of seems like the job that, uh, um, you know, if you need to do it, people tell you. <laughs> and, and I did like that. Yeah. That was the thing. But I think my, my boss would just call and be like, I was going pretty busy over there. And if your boss ever does that and you don't just say, oh yeah, <laughs> then, then you're really fucking up. Yeah, yeah, you know, just be like, yeah, it's busy, and then she'd be like, okay, well, I'll I won't bother you with this, and I'd be like, great, <laughs> and I go back to playing desktop tower defense or writing songs or like, yeah, you yeah. know, any number of things. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh uh, man, yeah. Uh, I've but I've I've got I've got affection for this. We did one game. We did a like a flash game uh, for Abject Suffering, and we discovered. I, I just went and searched for it. Uh, Flashpoint, which mm-hmm. is like an emulator, like basically like like a store front end for downloading and playing. Just like a huge. So yeah, here it's like yeah. it's like a one and a half terabyte uh, um, c- collection of just all of the flash games that existed ever. Um, and then we never went back to it. So I need to actually like download this and then go uh, go, go diving for some uh, go diving for some gold nuggets. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome that stuff is is archived at all. Yeah. Like it felt ephemeral even at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do one more or let's, let's do two more game questions. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Greg writes, uh, do you recall what the earliest games you played as young kids were? As for me, I'm dating myself. I will turn 47 um, on February in February. Uh, but I recall playing, uh, space invaders in 1979 and the arcades when I was three, dad had to lift me up so I could play due to my small size. Uh, happy birthday. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's good. It's coming up here as we're recording yeah. and as this episode's coming out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my family had an Atari 2600 mm-hmm. and I played joust and ET and Pac-Man and missile command and kicks. Hmm. Uh, as a kid, those are my earliest gaming memories. Man, kicks is fun. I love kicks. Kicks yeah. like holds up. Yeah, I almost that did that. Legit, super fun. I almost brought that for um, uh, the last arcade special we did. Yeah, you could do way worse. Yeah, like yeah, kicks owns. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, it was uh, NES and probably Super Mario Brothers. Uh, primarily, like. I don't know if this is a memory that I actually have or it's just a memory that my you know family told me about, but like I have distinct memories of like lying down like in the I don't know what I've been on, on the top bunk. I just remember lying in, lying on the bed and watching my brother play Super Mario Brothers and getting really upset when he um when he stopped playing. Uh, uh, and the memory is so specific that I remember that I had these really uncomfortable socks that had little plastic planes kind of attached to them, like buttons. It's like, okay. Hey, my, my socks have planes attached to them, yeah, like up I, around I the band things. They're horrible. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you, like they get all twisted. You step on a little plastic plane. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I remember playing with those and, you know, watching my brother play that. Yeah. So oh. pretty basic. I assume that's a lot of people's story, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun to think back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was short. So let's do, uh, two more starting now. Okay. Uh, charmed setter says, how do you approach an established series that you don't have experience with? I didn't play many games growing up. I found bonfire side chat because I started playing souls games when Elden ring came out, picking the games, uh, to play or the order to play them wasn't difficult for souls, but it seems harder when I look at the long list of Zelda or resident evil or final fantasy games. Skip this clunker, do that one first, narrative chronology, release order. Yikes. Um, good question. Yeah. Uh, it so I it's a weird thing where like I feel like I have the series I'm gonna get into. Mm-hmm. Like I just have the base knowledge and the series that are like kind of uh have long running now. Uh I typically have dipped my toe in at one point. I'm just like, I'm probably not going to be for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the times I will jump into something that's long running is when I hear scuttlebutt that it's a good place to. Yeah. Like the first fire emblem I played was awakening, which mm-hmm. is the easy and traditional, like more traditional role-playing game one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rather enjoyed it. 
uh, when I ended up going back to earlier entries in the series, I didn't really like them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I didn't like the ones after that either. This is weird blip. Um, you know, so I, I tried that, but it was because it was a known entry point. Yeah. You know, for that. So I listen to stuff like that. Uh, typically. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this, it is going to be when there is an overlap or intersection between, uh, this is a new game. And while people are talking about this, even people who haven't jumped into it before, like I need to hear from somebody who has no experience with the series and have them say, Oh yeah, this is a must. And then decide from there, uh, if it is going to be a, uh, if it's going to be something I need to, uh, you know, dive back on if I want to, like, I don't know if you got into resident evil with when resident evil seven came out and fucking owned, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like good on you. Uh, I think that the urge to go back and play the first one, especially when the series is not necessarily, um, you you know, very strongly linked by a linear story, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can understand wanting to play mass effect one before you play mass effect two. Right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a narrative game. Yes, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I can uh, I, I I can understand that. I think that is a great way to deny yourself a lot of cool stuff. If I had followed the instinct that I had for years and years, I never would have played The Witcher three. Right. Yeah, that's a real early early example of like it being good to skip. Yes, you know, um, it really is just case by case mm-hmm. in this situation. Like, if you played Resident Evil seven and loved it, like I love Resident Evil one. Even mm-hmm. like the original version of it, I can't, it's very hard for me to say like, yes, you should hundred percent play that. Mm-hmm. Like you might find something to like about it, but you also just might not. It wouldn't be That's the first okay. one I would direct you to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and it doesn't, it, again, that series, it doesn't really matter so much with the narrative. Same thing with Final Fantasy where they don't really have mm-hmm. continuing narratives or Zelda, you know, like it's really going to depend on the the series. Yeah. And also like the big thing with this, the, the corollary is don't try to force a square peg. Yeah. you know into a round hole like <laughs> I, I, I have call tried, it the monster hunter rule <laughs> i was just about to say like i've tried that is a series where everyone says every entry mm-hmm. is the one that is the breakthrough one that everyone should play and it just has yeah. never worked for me not at all yeah and that's fine i yeah. don't mind not everything yeah. has to work yeah. yeah uh how would you pronounce this is, is this nicolage or is this uh nikolai with a um <sighs> I, I think Nicolai, as long as they say it, 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 it looks like Nikolai with a J at the end instead of an yes. I. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, so apologies for mispronouncing your name. Not not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, they ask, is there a general issue here with fan service or is it more generally recognized as such? And is it getting better or worse? I really recently started playing Nier Automata by Square Enix. While enjoying the story and the combat, I have a hard time overlooking the fact that the female protagonist, a uh, supposed battle android, is dressed in a revealing short skirt and high heels. I felt similarly about Bloodstained. I read some pretty nasty things about Octopath Traveler and Xenoblade. Tried reading further, but I found a lot of toxicity, so I didn't want to go further. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, so this is this is a whole can of worms. This is a thing that gets discussed in the Slack, like... Uh, every three weeks and somebody <laughs> gets their feelings hurt. Like it's, it's a weird subject that emotions run really high on and it's discourse that touches other discourses in a way that like one of the things I was thinking about uh, recently is that I hate it when discourse confuses multiple issues yeah. because I don't think the internet is smart enough 
to, to handle that? The, the, uh, you know? a, a, bun- a bunch of people communicating in very short bursts of text are not able uh, with, with, with uh, let's say, in each very small and incomplete parts of the puzzle. Yeah, the, at that level, the internet is not together enough with it to like come to an answer that is going to, you know, satisfy. Yeah, or it even make any sense. It doesn't even have to satisfy. It just has to be cogent, like as a thought. Like the uh, there's the recent. There's been people talking about this isn't in games. It's in movies, but talking about sex scenes. And somebody was like, "Oh, they're non consensual," oh, uh, which is an insane take. <sighs> and then they got dunked on. But then now there is like a backlash to that where there people are like, "Well, maybe people who are against these sex scenes, this is actually like crypto fascist." And it's you know the guys with. Roman statues and their avatars trying to recruit people about old ways and values. And I'm like, you know, not necessarily. That yeah. also seems like an insane yeah. take, uh, you know, to be like, yeah, I think, I think found the sex scene gratuitous equals, you know, reactionary politic. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I, it's a, it's fucking, there, there's a real, if then, if online, it's stupid. <laughs> if not, it's okay. Uh, sometimes. And it, and it comes in discussion. I'm not trying to change the subject. It comes in discussion about game stuff as well. Yes. Like cheesecake yeah. and, and fan service and game stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Specifically with the, just that, that that's a very good recent example. I'm sure there'll be a new one by the, in the two days between when we're recording yeah, and when this episode comes sentence. out. Yeah. yeah there'll, there, there'll be something new. Uh, somebody, sometimes somebody's take is just really bad. Like the other side of that that i saw was like oh these are these are young kids who have grown up entirely in an environment with extremely sanitized media Mm. like you know just as bigger films have been uh kind of cropped back for international markets to distribute for as many places they just they kind of have never stopped consuming media that didn't like really address that stuff you know like human intimacy outside Mm -hmm. of like you know a wink and a nod and maybe with a little bit of shame uh you know associated with it and so they might just like literally becoming you know just an an example of a, a generation that is not prepared i saw that as well and maybe i'm a little bit more amenable to that because it is not you know it's it 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 points to a systemic thing but also sometimes maybe somebody can just have a really bad take (laughs) well and also sometimes like there's a weird way of looking at stuff as if everything is uh like what what is the solution for this problem right right you know that Mm. will presuppose that it's a problem and that the solution will not also be a problem yeah, right. Like in, 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 in discussing it, like when I think about, uh, so I, like I am <clears throat> more sympathetic to this asker. Like I get skeeved out. Yeah. I don't, I don't like gratuity mm-hmm. uh, or gratuitousness. Gratuity is tips. That's great. Yep. I tip very well, actually. <laughs> I, I do not like, uh, gratuitousness in my work. If something is purely for titillation, if it's not advancing character or plot, I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to have my crane yanked it crank yanked. It, uh, unless it's by one of those puppets, um, mm. it doesn't, uh, it feels like I'm being manipulated, mm-hmm. you know, and it feels like it's confusing. It's like, I'm, I'm playing a game. I'm in a game space and, uh, somebody's trying to make me hungry yeah. or trying to make me, you know, it feels like that to me. Uh, I also don't like it. And there, I think if, if you have to, if this has to be a problem to be solved, then if you had to trace it back, it would probably be back to me growing up and everything being that Sim- that Simpsons commercial where, for beer, 
oh, where they're yeah. like, look at those angry feminists. And then they spray them down with duff. And they, <laughs> they all turn into bikini babies. Yeah. yeah the, the man show, like all of that shit was all over TV. Uh-huh. When I was growing up and it sucked. It w- didn't only suck because it was gross. You know, it was uh, exploitive and objectifying, yeah. but also it was just vapid. It, it, it alienating you know? too. Like, I'm, yes. you know, I'm, I'm straight, but also like, I don't know. It seems kind of uh, just, I, I'm straight, eh. but I don't always need to have a fucking boner. Yeah. That's you know, the and thing. Then, like you, you, you run into something like near automata and Yoko Taro just being like, yeah, I figured since you're going to be looking at her, I just wanted to look at her butt. Mm-hmm. Like he, just, he just says it like they, yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no artifice or anything like that. Uh, and it just like, I just don't want to have like a mild chubby, mm. you know, the entire, it's like guys who have, uh, pictures of women on motorcycles on their wall. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's that kind of thing. It feels very like, uh, it, yeah, it just doesn't like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand wanting to have that yanked 24 mm-hmm. seven. And it's, I mean, it can be for Yoko Taro of, you know, a, a titillation thing similar to how it is for, uh, uh, what's his name who did uh, Bayonetta. Right. Yes. It's like, oh yeah, this, this just happens to be my special thing and I'm sharing it with the world. It's like, all right. But also like, I'm amenable to the idea that there are people who are just like way down with the aesthetic of that kind of stuff too. Yeah. You know, like it is not specifically meant to, you know, to, to, to change, to reroute your blood flow. Right. There, there are things that you can just like. Yeah, about it that are non-sexual. I'm not saying that everyone who likes the design of Two B mm-hmm. is necessarily sexually attracted to Two B. Yeah, you know, I do think that the camera angle and the way that that is shot and the way that characters are designed is designed to be like titillating. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it like that is you can just like the design, just like the outfit and everything. I think it is designed to be like attractive and kind of turn you on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, you know, but I also like the other thing that the, that Asker should recognize is that I'm apparently the outlier weirdo in this and that uh, I, this means I'm crypto fash, but I don't <laughs> like this. So, the, the, you know, the, this is uh, apparently what this means. I don't like this is that I'm all kinds of problematic, Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, a lot of people don't mind it or they dig it. Uh, yeah. the, the most common thing I hear from people when we're having the struggle session about this mm-hmm. is they just don't see it. That's, you know, yeah, yeah I think, yeah. I think that, I think it's that's the visual novel common. conundrum. Like, yeah. you know, uh, there's, there's a character who just wear like has implausible titties who hang out the entire time during nine, nine, nine and like people play and they just don't notice. Yeah. You know, it's just a sprite that says these words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with you for noticing it and, and disliking it. And you're not wrong that the discourse around it is deeply irritating. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, like it, 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 it is a it is a briar patch and it's one that we've run afoul of, I think, you know, quite, quite, yeah. quite a bit. You know, something that is happening over on Bonfire Site Chat is it's kind of like, oh, yeah, the sexualization kind of stuff about uh, about certain characters and uh, like a like a response that I've seen about that is just like, oh, you guys are older. Like that, that kind of stuff is kind of, you know, being written about and for and by just younger people, a different sensibility. And I don't know. <laughs> well, so sure. But what, what, then what though? Yeah. You know, like that can be true, mm-hmm. but that, that is very adjacent to like, shut up, <laughs> you know, like just don't talk it's, about the thing. And, it, and it's, it's like, well, pr- problematic to not like what I like. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, uh, I don't know what the the solution is, yeah. you know, like I, I can, I can only be me, yeah. you know, I, I can only have the response I have. And if the idea is you are 
you know, your attitudes on this are so outmoded that like your perspective is no longer needed or valued, like without trying to flex on anybody, that's demonstrably untrue. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are people who are interested in it because this is my job, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the economic uh, realities are not the only realities. Like I get mm-hmm. that 100%, yeah. but it, it's just, it's, it'd be hard to make an argument that uh, just like, this is so out of touch that nobody cares. Yeah. Maybe, you know? maybe nobody that young cares. Our, 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 our audience tends to fall between us, but also, I don't know, people who are between us, we exist. You know, I, I still yeah. exist. Like I'm yeah. not, you know, like I, I'm not trying to like boomer rights this shit. It's just like, it, it's gotta be, you know, I, I want to hear other people's opinion about this yeah. shit too. Like it's uh-huh. all valid, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I don't know. It, it doesn't, again, it goes back to like, why is this a problem to be solved? Yeah. You know, yeah. why is, uh, disliking this thing can't just be a take. Why does it have to be, what is the archeology span of this take? And what does it mean for the politics of the take? and what harm will it do to the world (laughs) i mean yeah and also like we're talking about like this is a thing that you have to have an opinion on and your opinion is binding somehow it's not it's not material the like the material way that this you know articulates is i don't like that so i'm not going to play that game you you know you were you were grossed out by 999 you know for a lot of reasons but uh you know what what, what's her name was a problem you know i didn't didn't like her yeah yeah, there's a there's a worse one in virtue's last reward so you didn't continue in that series right like like a better example would be like a like a xenoblade yeah you know like you you summon gigantic titty monsters Mm -hmm. in that you know, I'm like, eh. it's, yeah, no, I just, it's, 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 that's not my thing. There's, there's, there's just a, there's just a lot more like the material way is like, eh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like, oh, you don't like the, <laughs> you don't like current's big political thing. Like you have an opinion on, on that. Well, how, how would you do it better? And it's like, I don't know. It's not my job. I just know yeah. it's a, the, the, the way it is, isn't good. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not into it. Yeah. You know, just not into it. It's not, it's not a problem to be solved. It is not a yeah. riddle, you know? Yeah. So yeah, sorry, sorry to tie that into personal stuff and also go on for a while <laughs> no. about that. It's just, it's frustrating. Like it, and it's been in my crawl lately because despite shutting off Twitter, I'm still like getting discourse leaks. You know? <laughs> so it's everywhere. You can't escape it. It's, it's in the goddamn water. Yeah. Uh, and I also answered two questions in a row. So what does uh, Steve say? <laughs> Steve says, this is a life question. Uh, what kind of cars have you owned in your life? Uh, what's a car that you'd like to own uh, that you think it actually, you could actually get in your lifetime mine would be an early 90s oldsmobile silhouette uh some call it a spaceship others a dust buster i think it's awesome uh i need to see oldsmobile to, to tell tell your answer while i google this oh, i've never owned a car okay. uh my my uh my ex-wife uh had a car which we drove mm-hmm. around my hometown cool uh that's it what kind I of car never was owned, it? i've never had a car in my title uh it is like a white honda e thing like mm-hmm. four-door sedan ish oh, okay just car shaped car i i'm <laughs> profoundly uninterested in cars i i don't know the different i can't spot the make of a car mm-hmm. and i'm colorblind oh like yeah. my my descript my describing a car uh goes as far as car or truck okay you know basically yeah. <laughs> like and just like <laughs> yeah they, they got motorcycles it's it's i'm real they got motorcycles but except without enthusiasm for it yeah not a car guy <laughs> just like oh they have motorcycles yeah uh, yeah they got motorcycles look, there 
gosh, this is the 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 the, uh, the silhouette is a real. I'm gonna send you a picture of this. Uh, no, I, I got it up. I'm pulling it up. Oh, you do, man. That is that is just that is just like what a minivan was. Yeah, like that like that is the platonic ideal. That is the minivan they wouldn't let you drive into the building from control. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's too archetypical. Yeah, it is, that is extremely archetypical. Yeah, I I, I dig it. Yeah, like it looks like it looks like a handy uh, minivan mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, my first car was a 1995 Pontiac Grand Am. That was a piece of shit. It, I, I got it for uh, $1,500 and I, okay. think it, I think it ran for two, less than two years before everything inside of it exploded. The power steering, the radiator, the transmission, <laughs> like it was like a one, two, three punch within like, like a, a, a two month span. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not bad for two years though. Fifteen hundred dollars for two years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and then, yeah. And then I uh I got my stepdad's Saturn L two hundred, uh, which I crashed. I would have kept on driving that car for years and years, but I crashed it, totaled it. Um, then a Chrysler 200, uh, and then finally I've got uh just a succession of Kia Souls. Uh, just all real cheap, no frills, get you where you're going kind of cars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I like to get like a, like a, uh, you know, plug in a hybrid or just like a straight up electric Road vehicle. Runner. Nova. Uh, what's that? Roadrunner. Nova. <laughs> yeah. Barracuda. Barracuda. Yeah. Those, uh, they like yeah. those electric, uh, Ford one, uh, F one fifties look really neat. Like, look really neat. They're just very costly. Yeah. But like an electric truck oh. truck sounds kind of cool. Yeah. I think if I were to own a car, uh, all other things being equal, I like a big wood panel, mm. uh, like the family truckster. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like I like, uh, I like wood panel things. I think they're like pleasingly dorky. Oh, you know how I feel about wood paneling. Yeah. Put it it's everywhere. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. So yeah. driving around saying it looks like a log cabin would probably be my choice. <laughs> Agreed. Um, no. Uh, moving on to the media questions, David asks, do you have any mixed media titles that you love all versions of? I'm reading the Expanse books right now, and despite watching the show and knowing roughly what happens to them, I can't put them down. Also, I want to let you know regarding the Omega Mart story on Epic Suffering, I went with my wife and daughter. We live in Vegas. It took us about three hours to get to the end of the easy mode story, and mm-hmm. judging by all the clue threads uh, we had hanging, there was still probably at least that many more hours to finish what we'd done so far on the secret path. Uh, thanks for good times. Hope 2023 is treating you well. Thanks, David. Yeah. Um, man, multi, like, like mixed media titles that you love all versions of. Yeah. I think, I think David means instead of mixed media, yeah. like I think it means, um, things have been adapted. Yeah. Uh, in other forms. Cause like mixed media, my understanding is that's like a visual art term for this painting has hair in it. <laughs> like basically, like, <laughs> oh, one of them hair paintings. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, ha- it happens a lot, man. Yeah. I Surprisingly. Know, I know. Like, yeah. So I, I think that's what mixed media generally means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, like multimedia kind of stuff. I can't think of any that I have loved entirely from like front to back, but like uh, walking dead had a good couple, good cut, like a good two years there. Where yeah, I was real into the games, the comics, and the movie. Or not the movies, the games, the comics, and the television show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do bad. Yeah. Uh, and then it got then it got bad, obviously. Yeah. The comic also got dumb. Yeah. Uh, sad. Uh, I, uh, you know, as, as like a Marvel Comics kid, mm-hmm. you know, like this, obviously, like I read X-Men comics and watched X-Men movies. And then, you know, the, the you know, about, probably about half of the, the Marvel movies or TV shows, I think, are pretty good. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and end up working, you know, uh, when they're based on a comic yeah. uh, there. And then uh, just recently read the comic, the boys and started watching the TV show. The TV show is better, mm-hmm. um, but there, it is also paced like much slower uh, and, oh. and differently. Weird. So I think that there's probably a little bit of appeal to mm-hmm. each, you yeah. know, I don't know if, it, if they're the same, but yeah. there's at least a little appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- th- this isn't a whole series, but, uh, the, I enjoy both the visual novel of Steins Gate and the anime adaptations of both games, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the original and zero. I think those, those are both really good for different reasons. Same basic story, they but different expressions. Direct, but yeah. Are they, they're, they direct adaptations? They're direct adaptations, but they handle the multi path stuff in a different way. Like they mm. manage to tell those stories without having all the repetition. Uh, so like if you wanted to just get a good idea of what those stories were, I would direct you to the, to the anime, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but I have, but I have enjoyed both of them for different reasons. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another media question here. Paul writes, uh, in a few episodes of WAF, uh, both Gary and Cole have mentioned playing tabletop RPGs, either currently, uh, or in high school or college as a recent convert to the dice gods. I'd love to hear who your favorite characters you've played as or alongside are, whether it be D and D shadow run call of Cthulhu or some other more obscure system. Like, I don't know, Morkborg. Yeah. Do you got a favorite character? Uh, I mean, because I did all of this in high school, I would say most of my characters were real, uh, kind of like stereotypical. Dutz, Dritz Zerden. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah like I'm, 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 with... I'm, I'm conflicted. Yeah, 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 kind of thing. Yeah, no, but like mechanically, the the uh, the most fun character that I played. Uh, actually, I, I told this story on uh, uh, the level this week too. Weirdly, this has also come up. But because I like the uh, the Lancer class in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy stuff, I just decided how can I use the items in the uh, in the, in the source books that I have and stats to just like have a guy with a spear uh, do <laughs> try and do drop attacks basically okay. like you know jump real high and real far and use that to confer advantage on um use that to confer advantage on attack rolls mm-hmm. or damage you know and yeah, that yeah. was real fun yeah that's great yeah yeah um i i have had a regular game for a long time so i played a bunch of characters mm-hmm. uh for a long time i just did wizards uh and i did you know want knowledge at all cost tropes Mm-hmm. Uh, there, but I've gotten real into playing shitheads and scumbags. Oh yeah. That's real fun. So I got the, uh, the current game. This is going to be the most boring thing in the world for some folk, because I'm going to talk about a character I'm playing in a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I stole some, we're doing a Planescape game now, mm-hmm. uh, in a different system, but that, that world, so you can kind of be anything. So I stole a little bit of steez from, um, Tides of Numenera. So I have a guy who uh, is kind of a shithead who has like a, a little, like a moat, like a presence, kind of like Eritus, mm-hmm. uh, except instead of it being this thing that drives into an adventure, it's a thing that eats luck. Oh. Uh, and he can make other, like he doesn't win. He can make things lose though mm. around him uh, is the idea. So he makes like misfortune happen around him. Oh. And then uh, my favorite touch is that sometimes, you know, I have to miss game because I'm sick or I'm you know, busy or something. Mm-hmm. When that happens, uh, because it's Planescape and the setting's wacky, my character, who was like a, a gambler, uh, had bet some of his life to Chronoculus the Time Terror. Uh, and <laughs> he assumed that they would be parts of his life in his past. Okay. But they're actually from the future. 
So whenever <sighs> Gary's not at the table, he just blips out of existence and then just comes back screaming uh, whenever Gary's back. Uh, that's a really good idea. I also yeah. love Chron- Chronoculus, the time devourer. Yeah, the, yeah, the time terror. The time terror, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the system's really, I think it's, um, God, I can't remember the, the name of it right now, Spellbound Kingdoms or something. Mm-hmm. The system allows me to take that as like a mechanical advantage. So like mm. if there's a situation in which there's a clicking talk, clock or like time is a thing, I can like roll to my advantage with my history with Chronoculus mm. to see if I have ways to manipulate. Yeah manipulate it we haven't met i don't know if we'll ever meet chronoculus or whatever uh but i was just making up names yeah um yeah. do you want to do lightning yeah. round yeah let's uh let's move over to, to lightning round yeah there. uh okay uh doug writes uh turtle pope versus the trowel king who is gaming's great who has gaming's greatest nonsense animal discuss uh turtle pope because you don't have to listen to a whole song every time you use them Yes. Uh, been replaying Shovel Knights uh, when I have like an extra minute, trying mm-hmm. to go through some of the bonus campaigns I've never fucked with. Um, listening to that Trouple King song every time you want to refill a potion is kind of a crime. Yeah, I, uh, I forgot that aspect of it. I was going to say I really enjoy the design on Trouple King. Um, oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I but also love the design on Turtle Pope. Turtle Pope is good. Like, and I like how yeah. he's just a just a real fucking nerd. Yep. Street shooter. <laughs> uh chris says a uh, question for gary do you feel better mentally after not being on twitter much these days i removed myself from social media a couple years back and felt much better for it helped me focus on the good things in my life rather than consistently doom scrolling and wondering why i felt crappy all the time hope that is not too personal a question uh not too personal a question uh yes <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> uh, unsurprisingly sucks. yes yeah uh, it sucks i i wish i had done this sooner um it's wonderful to be ignorant of the, you know, the, there are important things that are happening that I'm missing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and missing that sucks. I'm not saying it is a virtue to be ignorant of like world events mm-hmm. or something, but I didn't learn about that irritating sex scene discourse we talked about earlier until like a couple of weeks after it started. Yeah. Those were a blissful couple of weeks of ignorance where like I was just doing stuff. I was reading books. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, playing, playing songs. I picked up, I started learning how to play the bass. Mm. Like I, I've just been living life mm-hmm. as opposed to being online and it's <laughs> fucking awesome. And like one of the things I was thinking about, I went and saw uh, the new Antman movie yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was walking out of it and I like rather liked it. I think that's a pretty fun movie. Uh, and I was thinking about like, man, if my life, if I didn't have internet, I would just like tell my friends that I saw this movie or they'd go see it with me and we just talk about it mm-hmm. and it'd be great. And I wouldn't have to know about just the reams and reams of irritating discussion yeah. that has happened about that movie and like think pieces and takes and all of these things that have like come out that orbit it. Yeah. You know, I would just be like, Oh no, I just saw a pretty fun movie and that can be the end of it. It, it kind of goes into that earlier bit. Like, why is this a problem to be solved? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, something, nothing can just be like, everything is a puzzle that must be unlocked and, you know, and it, it, it can get very exhausting. Yeah. Uh, being off of Twitter and not being online as much in general has helped me see some of that shit with clarity. Yeah. Uh, I think. Let's see. Uh, I just kind of enjoy the Torah without, uh, being to force fed the Talmud. Yeah. Yeah, and th- nothing, nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's not like I don't. Again, I don't think of myself as an ignorant person. I don't think that it's a virtue to not be conscious of social things. Mm-hmm. But the line has to be somewhere. Like, it, it does. can't the social con like 
social emergencies cannot extend as far as the new Ant-Man movie was a big opening, but not as big as it could have been. Yeah. Discuss. Why? <laughs> I don't want to discuss. Why would we discuss? I didn't like what spill did... a drink on a genie somewhere. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I'm not under some like, kind of fucking curse. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's been really revelatory just to like not give a shit about yeah. that stuff. Uh, it feels great. <laughs> Fellas, is it problematic to, to to maintain control and agency over how you spend your time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it, hey guys, is it is it? Uh, did I uh, commit a, a class solidarity crime by enjoying a movie? Uh, yes, no. <laughs> like it's a uh, yeah. It's it's been very freeing, uh, and my my mood. People in my real life have noticed a market uptick in my mood. Nice. Uh, which is always the best thing when somebody's like, you seem like really in a good mood lately. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's awesome. I don't have to read every stupid thing someone's ever written, uh, which was previously the geese I was under. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I know that this is just a very temporary Island. It's going to wash away if it gets bigger, but I have switched over to Mastodon mm -hmm. for like looking at stuff and it's kind of just basically restarting at zero in terms nice. of, in terms of what you see. And it's been much more, um, it's, it, it is, it has been a nice, uh, nice methadone. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's good to, it, it, it does feel, I still like find myself wanting to open Twitter Yeah, like, yeah. when I pick up my phone. Like there is an addictive quality to it. it. I mean, men you in, know? men in white coats with clipboards sat around in a room trying to figure out how to make you always like this food. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like food scientists made me like it. Yeah. I can't, you know, it still works on me. I'm not saying I'm immune to it, Yeah, you know, but it, it, it is, there's a, there's a gradient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Uh, let's see. Naveen writes, uh, with the prevalence of recording capabilities in modern gaming pla uh, platforms, how often do you snap a screenshot or record a clip? I like to use these features, not necessarily to share, but to create a gaming scrapbook of sorts for myself. I still have a clip of my first time I beat Gwyn in Dark Souls, and it makes me smile anytime I watch it. Um, I've never taken memory stuff, but I will take clips if something funny happens. Yeah. Uh, I have like a bunch of screenshots of funny Leon Kennedy uh, comments from Resident Evil 4 <laughs> of him just going up to computers and being like, wow, what a console <laughs> and shit like that. I think that's great. Yep. Uh, when I was playing Midnight Suns, you there's a cat that lives on uh, the base and you can run to every once in a while. You click on it and uh, you say something and then it purrs but the purr file is always the same and it's this very like clipped purr. So I just like cycle through all the like, who's a good kitty? You know, who is a good girl? Uh, just, like, and went through all of them several times and created a very funny, surreal little 30 second clip. Dude, this, this Gary cat sounds yeah. an awful lot like a gary scorpion <laughs> i never told you pocket uh he's got one of that traditional stinging cat tail oh and uh you know the traditional <laughs> oh like Barth legs that Barthol bartholomew from nedroid has yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> or that cat that uh uh millhouse finds on the beach oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a doggy it's a good oh, yeah, doggy. nice doggy yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh gosh <laughs> Um, do you ever do clips? Only if it's funny. Uh, no. Like I'll sometimes go back when I'm uh, when I when I take a funny clip, I will look and see like the PS5, the PS4 did this too. Uh, we'll take an automatic, uh, uh, either a clip or a uh, or a screenshot when you get an achievement. 
Mm-hmm. And even though achievements are generally annoying, um, oftentimes uh, they happen at cool points in a game. So it's fun to look at that. But yeah, I, I generally, if it's if it's funny and it's worth sharing as like a social media post, that's when I will uh, go for it. Yeah. Glitches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Airtrick says, uh, Gary, what's the latest Frankenstein or Frankenstein? I know it's <laughs> Gary. What's the latest Frankenstein? It's like, <laughs> like somebody trying to make up cool. It's like a <laughs> turtles writers, what the neutrinos would say instead of hello. <laughs> uh, I know it's been a while since you moved, but uh, are you glad to be rid of it? Or do you sometimes miss its freewheeling ways? <laughs> I mean, people might need to learn what Frankenstein is yeah, because it's it, been years. Yeah, several apartments ago. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein was a Mustang with the word Frankenstein written across the side <laughs> in black duct tape. Uh, that used to make just kind of rev its engine on a parking lot that's so cool (laughs) dude you don't know the half of it it was extremely cool i i don't know if i don't know the current fate of frankenstein um i don't miss it necessarily Mm -hmm. uh but the way the way that i uh, my apartment is now um as opposed to being in on a duplex on the ground floor i'm no longer an apartment on the the fourth floor so if somebody were to do that now, it would be like a thousand times louder. Oh yeah. You know, now like every once in a while, some car will rev, mm-hmm. which is, is uh, just like a cool man. <laughs> like all, all the, the dorkiest fucking thing you can do in the world. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's louder than anything. And it sucks. <laughs> so I, I, I wish Frankenstein well, but I don't miss Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you don't miss them, but you're glad you met them. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I wouldn't trade the memories. Always <laughs> have Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, uh, Andy K two fifty writes, please describe the worst meal you've ever gotten from a restaurant. Mine was beef and broccoli from a right off the interstate Chinese restaurant, uh, that clearly used to be a ranch style home. (laughs) 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 It was like cold, dinty, more beef stew. And even though I didn't get sick, it was somehow worse than the meal I had from the universal studios, Bubba Gump shrimp factory, uh, that gave me food poisoning. (laughs) shrimp poisoning um, <laughs> shrimp vomit poison shrimp, shrimp diarrhea <laughs> pine nuts grape pine nuts, nuts. <laughs> sorry sorry I little moved. sugar butts yeah <laughs> um i the the one that always pops in my head is i ordered pizza once from uh like a grubhub or a doordash mm-hmm. and i didn't realize that it was i was just using whatever i had like d- discounts on like who had coupons yeah because you, know, yeah. you know and I, I got a pizza and it had you know the 3.5 rating Oof. on grubhub which is always a gamble because sometimes like the food will be good at 3.5 mm-hmm. but the, you know somebody will get an order wrong or it'll be late or something that's not somebody's fault you know yeah. it's a it's user ratings um but turned out this was a side gig of a chinese restaurant that Mm. also just made american style pizza and the american style pizza was like if cooked in the middle vertically but the cheese wasn't melted and the crust was still doughy that is so the middle that that is the opposite of the way that it usually goes yeah it was real weird like the middle was hot and i got onions on it and they were huge pieces that were raw like 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 the biggest like onion ring style onions cut in half that were raw and uh yeah it was just really foul yeah i could not resuscitate it uh in any way the worst pizza i've ever had went to a local restaurant uh pretty soon after i moved up here uh with my mom and my brother just you know one night out uh kind of deal and uh we went there and 
you know, also kind of clearly a place that used to be a ranch style home, just like kind of a squat business, uh, like a bunch of businesses have been there. I ordered a, um, I, I wanted a Buffalo chicken wrap because that's mm-hmm. the thing on the menu that looked like it was going to be real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took 50 minutes for, for our meal oh. to get out. Um, even though, <laughs> even though there was what appeared to be a group of employees just kind of sitting and chat, like chatting very loudly with each other a couple tables over (laughs) it it came out there was no like there was no big uh piece of uh like buffalo chicken in there it was just like a bunch of like uh i would call it a a dustin it's it's a dustin scrapples yeah scraplins yeah um instead of like you know like a crunchy lettuce like you would like in a wrap it was just the kind of wilted purple pieces from a Uh, um from uh from like a spring mix kind of thing (laughs) <laughs> and uh uh not melted like not integrated in, into the dish at all just very clearly grocery store shredded cheese yeah oh, that sucks man yeah and it was it was room temperature yeah that's real gross yeah of course we're, we're going to a, a convention again for the first time so i'm looking forward to some food uh compromises probably yeah like yeah. They, they did a pretty good job you know they've had it like catered by real people Mm-hmm. you know, from time to time. But, uh, that was also the convention, which I had those noodles. Oh God, those uh, fucking noodles. Yeah. yeah. Inedible noodles. It was just like basically uh, like a pad tie, but it was just very thin noodles covered in chili powder. It was a bad tie. Like it was, it was an incredibly bad tie. It was, it was the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, Bo says, uh, if it was guaranteed as wide an audience as you could hope for, uh, what's a project outside of podcasting that the two of you might like to pursue together? Uh, the adventure known as marriage. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy about that. And I don't think Olivia would be either. Well, let me worry about, okay. let me worry about my wife. Okay. Okay. The, All right. <laughs> no, that was presumptuous of me. I'm sorry. No. Um, yeah, no, we, we talked about a couple things. Yes. Uh, is all time based, like not having extra time because the thing we do now takes mm-hmm. up all our time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, to, uh, and because we had talked about those things, I don't know that I feel comfortable saying it. Yeah, we might do it. We might do it. And I don't want to set an expectation. If you say that you have a will. plan for something, people ask, ask yes. you about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the, the, the hint I'll give is the thing that the, we talked about that I'm thinking of, I'm not really worried about an audience for. Mm-hmm. it's more just, we don't have time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's the, uh, that, 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 that's the thing. Again, guaranteed, guaranteed an audience. I don't know. Lot like lots of stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, like doing, doing more like streaming stuff together would be fun because mm-hmm. it's always been a good time when we've done like adaptation decay material as a stream or like do a roulette of, um, um, of, uh, abject suffering stuff. Like, yeah, for, I, for various fests. I've always enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah. uh but yeah. It's it's just it's hard to turn it into an ongoing concern because again, we're we're busy. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yep. So. Uh, final lightning round, round one, uh, Mick writes, uh, you've been selected to compete in the video game Olympics. You have a year to prepare for three events, speed run, multiplayer, and high score challenge. Uh, what would be the games you would choose for each of the three events? That's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fun question. Mm-hmm. Um, speed runs really hard because it, I don't know if it's, com- uh, compared to other people mm-hmm. like the, the winning strat of this would be to pick something. Nobody speed runs. 
Yes, but you know, I don't know a game nobody speedruns. <laughs> oh, and that, that I mean, they, they put them up on Speed Demos Archive or whatever. Mm-hmm. You would just think of games that you might be able to, like old, weird, obscure games. Yeah. And then just look, look in there. It seems like that would be, rather than trying to get like good at Dark Souls speedrunning or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know? And speedrun bad rats. Yes. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> like that. You know, yeah, non-deterministic <laughs> yeah. physics is great for speedrunning. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be super. Just it'd be luck-based, and that is, yeah. uh, and I could focus if it's just going to be luck. Uh, then I can focus on the other two events. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're like doing something like Isaac and just you get teleported to get mom's knife like in the first room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's what you need. Yeah. Uh multiplayer. What am I good at multiplayer? Um not much. Yeah. Uh, the, that, uh, yeah. That's uh the, that's a thing. Like it, again, it's real competitive. I don't know that a year would be enough to get like really good at multiplayer uh like a real-time strategy game or even a shooter, right? Yeah. I would have like, to choose something like a Jackbox game oh, for this, you know, yeah. which is, which is cheating, but like it is multiplayer and competitive in, in terms of fun, like, like, like two V two team fortress two would be really yeah. fun to do. You know, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and then high score challenge, like what can you get a high score at? The only like, thing that I can get a high score at that I'm, that, that I have been very good at in the past, I could probably brush it up in a, in a year would be rock band. Oh yeah. 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 I thought, yeah, I, I might be able to get, I, I was never that great at rock band, but with a year of practice, mm-hmm. like I was, I was decent, you know, yeah. and I could probably get okay at it. Or then maybe I like also like when I was in most practiced for when we did the show on it, I was getting pretty good at some pinball tables. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be able to take a year and practice on that. So yeah. the, the thing is, these aren't ones that I would win is the, is the thing, but you know, I could disgrace my country playing these and having a good time. Yeah. 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 I, we would lose. Yes. Like that, that is just really clear. I think, mm-hmm. um, this would be a nightmare scenario if we got selected for the video. Game <laughs> oh no. It'd be an honor to compete, but like, yeah, I don't think that we'd win. <laughs> yeah. Only somebody that I hate would do this to me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and now we have our topic, uh, vaping with dad. I love that name so much. It's a great name. Uh, they write the first time I heard Gary say there are infinite games out there and you'll die before you can play them all on the podcast. It helped me reevaluate some of my gaming habits, particularly FOMO for big new releases. I've had Elden Ring downloaded for months now, uh, and I know I'll like it, but for whatever reason, I haven't been in the mood for a from game since its release. So instead of forcing myself to play a good, uh, a good game at the wrong time, I don't mind waiting. Uh, and if I die before that happens, well, uh, I still played some other cool stuff. Uh, as you've gotten older and wiser, what are some of the biggest gamer epiphanies uh, you've had uh, that have uh, had a positive influence um, on how you now approach the medium? Yeah, like thing, things you've realized that help you interact with the hobby, Yeah, you know, better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think vaping with dad arrived at a, at a, at a really good one, which is, you know, it's a, just a different version of like play to your strengths kind of, you know, kind of deal. It's not really worth doing, doing something you're bad at that you don't feel like doing if it's going to get you a bad result. Uh, all things being equal and time, not being a uh, time, not being a concern kind of deal, yeah. forcing yourself to play something just because it is current uh, you know, for that FOMO, let alone, you know, buying it, 
uh, <laughs> which is its own its its own kind of problem. Uh, that's just a really good way to spend time doing something you really don't want to do, and possibly will sour you on a game that you would uh, really enjoy at a different time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there are some people for whom that is their job. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're you're a games journalist, like I get it. Yeah. Uh, but you can see. I feel like it is very obvious as somebody who reads like games journalism that you can see where the like living that way mm-hmm. influences taste and reviews and how game journalism works. Yeah. You know? So like we, we talk about um, game of the year things and how a lot of times people don't have enough time when they're doing that to really stick with something, mm-hmm. you know, so something that will make a really good first impression will sometimes get really lauded. Something that doesn't show its strengths immediately will get kind of ignored. Yeah. You know, and that is born of needing to be current. Yes. You know, and games are long. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like being current with movies or current with, you know, I guess it's kind of like being current with TV because mm-hmm. there's a lot of TV out there, but yeah. um, it's not like being current with movies. Yeah. You know, uh, games take a really long time. You could watch uh, two movies, uh, two movies a, uh, a week and be pretty up yeah. to speed, you know? Yeah. Two, two or three. And that's still less than a game, you know, almost yeah. any game. Yeah. Like in terms of time, uh, there. So like trying to be current on it, what I think it means is a lot of people will sample stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they play the beginning of something and then if it grabs them, that grabs them. If not, it's not, but then they can say they've played it. Yes. You know, uh, and the, the value of that's going to kind of vary from person to person, whether that's good. But if that enters like a critical realm where the person mm-hmm. who, you know, can say they've played it, mm-hmm. uh, then has, is on the hook for like writing an article about it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a limited perspective, right? It, you know, it it, it it is, but there's another factor, which is, I think, I don't know, don't, don't check my math on this, but it kind of feels like the number of people who make a solid living writing about games critically is probably fewer than, um, the number of people who have been into space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so trying to live your life like that as a consumer would be a little bit like, well, I've got to um eat and train like an Olympic level athlete. <laughs> Just in case. Just in yeah, case. I'm not, I'm not yeah. getting to, yeah, I'm not getting to go to the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just yeah. Uh yeah. So like that that is a big one. Yeah. You know, I think. <laughs> um the other thing about there being, you know being unlimited games out there, like that has helped me from not feeling guilt yeah. about stuff I play. Like if I'm playing something that's interesting to me, then I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be playing something that's interesting to me and then feel guilty that I'm not playing something else that's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, like, and that's just simple, like understanding I can't be in two places at once. Yeah. You know, having a finite amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that applies to games too. It applies to fun stuff as well as non-fun stuff. I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, kind of a, a version of being present or, you know, so, something like that. You know, I have, you know, like just a, a version of this again, following your energy, you know, since we hired Gwen, which has been amazing, um, <laughs> I've had more time to play stuff for me and still ends up going on the level. But like, you know, I've been in a real big city builder strategy game, kind of a barrel for the last month or so, let's say. Right now I'm replaying Frostpunk because I'm a little mm-hmm. bit depressed right now, you know? Yeah. And I want to play something I really like. And also there are scenarios in that that I haven't finished, you know, so I'm getting good at Frostpunk again so I can conquer those, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I just understanding like I can play a bunch of these kinds of games in a row 
and really not feel like I'm and really not feel like I am doing something bad because I know that eventually I'm going to get out of this and then get into a jag with a bunch of other stuff. Just like allowing myself to kind of eat what I feel like my body needs, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind, kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. As, as I get older, that is such a better, uh, I, I just really like every time I've chosen that I felt good. Yeah. You know, like I, I understand the, the argument against, which is that, you know, it is good to be a well-rounded person and that enjoying the medium means enjoying all of the medium, you yes. know, but people who say that are never playing new Madden games, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there's, there's whole swaths of the medium that they're missing as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a, a an affectation, yeah. you know, almost. Um, and like, if there's, there's something I hate, it's, it's like artifice in that way. Like I hate a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather just be like, no, this is this is what I want to play with. This probably won't last forever. If it does. And that's the worst thing that happens to me in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably not such a bad life. Yeah. Like if, it, you know, if I, if I can't for my job, but I mean, all things, other things being equal, Yeah, you know, like I'm just like, yeah, I, I play the types of games I like and mm-hmm. the new Zelda breath of the wild comes out and I don't play it because yeah. I'm not in the mood. Mm-hmm. What happens? Nothing. Like it, it's fine. <laughs> Again, it, it all goes back to that. Like not a problem to be solved. Yeah. Like, you know, questioning the assumption that something is an issue, I think is good. Yeah. You know, there's probably been a great deal of damage done just by the um, act of consumption becoming a bit of a more public, um, uh, becoming more of a public uh, process. Right. Yeah. You know, very much so. Even if you are not doing it for yourself. You know, there is the problem of uh, comparing your backstage to somebody else's front stage, you know? Yes. So, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it, it, and just the, this happens with much more serious things, body issue, you know, body image, you know, like economic stuff. But, like, if you're just basing your opinion of the things that <laughs> of the games you are playing based on what everybody else is talking about, they're presenting an idealized version <laughs> oftentimes because they have much more time or they work in a job that gives that gives them exposure to stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so even if you are not, you know, living for, tw- you know, consuming for Twitter or for TikTok or any of any of that kind of stuff uh, that can still kind of splash over on you and that that that, that guilt can get in. And that leads to another uh, k- k- kind of another thing, which is this is one I hit pretty early on, but understanding the difference between um, finishing a game and being done with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Like I tend to, if I really, if I like something, I usually want to see the end of it, Mm -hmm. you know, but if, and it, it, there is a a correlation, a general correlation of like, I did not beat something with it not being my, something that I really love. Mm -hmm. Not always though. You know, there are things that I rather like that I just never got around to. Um, And those are things I would describe in your terms of like, I'm done with it. Yeah. You know, Uh, but a lot of times if I'm done with something, it's in disgust. (laughs) <laughs> and if I, if I beat something, it's because I, I like it. I cast me out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like, Oh, fuck this, you know, and then just done with it. I, I bail yeah. on it. Uh, that's part of it too. Like that's a, a, a side point to yours, but like be okay with being done with like bailing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cut bait. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if something is just like not fun, like, yes, there, I think that there are times you can get through a bunch of unfun stuff and then end mm-hmm. up at something very profound. Yeah. I also think that that's in my experience and other people, you know, they, they, their experience might differ, but for my experience, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not like usually blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, where I'm like, oh man, I fucking hated this, but it turned out I really liked that I did it. Yeah. And like, usually it's something that I can tell, like it's pushing and pulling me, Yeah, you know, a little bit. And if, if it's going to have the thing where the friction is worth it, I know pretty early on. Constant you know? example, uh, pathologic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great example. You know, like there were things early on in that, that make that you can tell that's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but I, I reject the idea that because that's worth it, everything is worth it. Or the mm-hmm. idea that because anything could be worth it, everything is worth it. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, the, the other anti-pattern on that is I cannot react to this or form an opinion until I am, until I am done with it. And oftentimes yeah. that includes doing every hunt in final fantasy 12, like just optional shit. It's like, no, yeah. you don't have to be completionist. There are no people real who Scotsman shit like, yeah, the, the, there yeah. are people, you know, your, your experience with the game is valid. Even if you don't, you know, have the, uh, have the gene, you know, the, the epigenetic, like the switch flipped that makes you into a completionist. Right. Yeah. Don't let, yeah. Don't let anybody gerrymander you out of having a perspective, yeah. you know, like if, if somebody is saying you didn't really do this because you didn't do blank X, Y, and Z, like, no, you did it. You just didn't mm-hmm. do it without X, Y, and Z. And you had your reasons. And like, you just had different experiences. No, you know, uh, this is really zoomed in and minor, but it, mm-hmm. it just, it helps, uh, epiphany. And this is, we say this a bunch and it's going to sound like cliche, uh, but use your consumables. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, you know, again, that's like very brass tacks and not like a philosophical epiphany. Mm -hmm. But once I started doing that, all video games became more fun. Yeah. Like legitimately across the whole board, everything (laughs) is more fun. (laughs) Yep. It's almost like like they designed the game for you to do that. And, and like games where they force you to, like, I love, uh, like the, the three in divinity originals Sin two, when you're in the prison in the beginning mm-hmm. and there's like the shitheads playing cards and it's a really tough fight and you can just barely beat it. If you like throw grenades and shit at them, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great feeling. Yep. Like I couldn't do this. I can though, through using these tools. Oh, did I come up with some kind of secret hack? No, that's the fucking game. They gave you the tools. Like <laughs> yeah. that it is was, the game. It was, it was a self-imposed silliness. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a silliness to, to say, I can't do this because maybe yeah. I'll need that grenade later. Like they scale to, you know, the developer knows, you know, these mm-hmm. are bad grenades. Use them now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's in the game, it's in the game is another one. Yeah. Like, you know, it is okay to have self-imposed challenges and stuff, mm-hmm. but don't let anyone else impose them on you. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to say you didn't beat Celeste because you turned on infinite stamina, uh, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Sit on attack. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an attack. Like they don't get to control. I get like all of this stuff is just general duck feed, like harsh individualism stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't, don't let somebody gerrymander you or label you against your will. <laughs> Fuck those fools. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to listen, you know, to, to people telling you stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know what? Sometimes an old game, you don't have to make yourself like it just cause it's old. Yeah. Fe- there's, there's a great one. <laughs> I'm, fe- I'm feeling myself just kind of like, I think we're at a point where I feel an awful lot about games from the PS2 and GameCube era. Uh, like I do about stuff from the P- PS1 kind of era. Those are feeling similarly, uh, let's say adolescent, not from like a juvenile kind of point of view, but just like, Oh yeah. Like there is just an inherent awkwardness and gonkiness to these with um, uh, that with time is much easier to just kind of understand that's just the way they are and it's okay to be put off by that. Yeah. You don't have to like it is, and it's not always true, you Mm -hmm. know, and there are also games that are uh, great in spite of that. Yes. Or that are forward looking enough to avoid, Mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of that stuff. Like it's not a, a absolute rule, yeah. you know, but there, there are old timey awkwardnesses. And again, if you can, if you can get past that stuff, like you may get, uh, rewarded for it. Like, I mm-hmm. think anybody who pushes past the interface to play fallout two will have a good time. Yes. You know, I like fallout two. I think it's a great work of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't do that though, like this going back to the original thing that vaping with dad brought up, like you're going to play something else instead Yeah, and probably be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can be put off by varying things. You can be put off by things from those old games. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. Cause you'll just do something else instead. You're, you be, be water. <laughs> you know, four yeah. around rocks. Yeah. You know, uh, old games. The other thing I think about is games that, uh, and this was a hard one and this is more personal than like something that I ascribe to people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, because I liked something when I was young does not mean I have to like it now. Yeah. You know, uh, going back and revisiting something, I'm not really losing something. If I discover something I really loved was not actually so good mm-hmm. because I'm constantly gaining things as well. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, yes, I can go back and be like, you know, Arrow the Acrobat, which I really loved and like listen to R.E.M.'s Green until the tape wore out. Played Arrow the Acrobat. <laughs> Going back, it's not a very good game. No. It doesn't matter. Like, I, you know, I have treasured memories of that. I can still access those if I want to. The fact that that wasn't isn't actually a good piece of art, really, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't take anything away from me because I'm constantly being inundated with good pieces of art. Yeah. There's no, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't need to enshrine any individual thing like that. Yeah. You still got that memory. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not going it's, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it just, and, and like that is a grace that we, uh, that we allow ourselves with other kinds of media that I think is, is, is tougher with games, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't know if it's just age of the medium or whatever, but it's like, you know, there are bands that you probably really enjoyed in middle school or high school that you don't listen to anymore. I call that the blink 82 Valley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the blink 182 rather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, just kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe you had some fun times with those albums on cool. You're not now. It doesn't mean you have to hate it. It's just like, yeah, it was a different time. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one for me is, um, a, uh, (laughs) game with a terrible story and really good mechanics, um, will, uh, is possible to be great. Uh, whereas a game with a kind of great story or compelling hook with just kind of, you know, trash under the hood, uh, there is a much lower ceiling on how, on how high that can be. And there's something paired off with that, which is, uh, oftentimes game developers, you know, just from like, you know, knowing and reading about how this stuff is put together. A lot of the stuff that you, you know, that is, let's say kind of like non-mechanical, non kind of nuts and bolts, story, tone, art, character decisions, things like that. Not as much thought, uh, and effort went into those as you, as you might have expected coming up. Like mm-hmm. those, those were not, you know, kind of born, you know, perfect and fought for the entire process. It just, that just kind of was an accident that happened. And then they decided to leave it in, you know, yeah. kind of deal. Clean so that. like, you know, a game is not, it, you know, it is not just the fiction that is, you know, included with it. Um, you know, that is, yeah. you know, important. Yes. Um, necessary, you know, arguable, but make or break. No, not really. The, the waiting is different than I thought it was. Yes. When, when I was younger, it's very hard for me to think of a game that plays like dog shit that I still mm-hmm. think is worth playing. Yeah. You know, and when I say plays like dog shit, I don't just mean like awkward. 
yeah. you know, pathologic is awkward, but I wouldn't say it plays like dog shit. Like there's yeah. interesting things happening with those systems. They're just harsh. Yeah. It's also know. giving yourself permission to like something too. You know, a lot of this is about permission and I'm phrasing stuff like that just cause I'm in kind of an introspective mood, but it's like, um, you know, monster train. I, I don't like the art in monster train at yeah. all. And the stuff, you know, like the lore and stuff. I don't really care about these characters or what's going on, but I still would rank that among some of the best games I've played in the past, you know, five, 10 years, stuff like that. And yeah, it's just a real while, fun. Yeah. Frame. Yeah. And I would say like 15 years ago, that wouldn't have been the case for me. Yeah. I would, I probably would have been more put off and then also letting yourself be put off by things yeah. as well. You know, mm-hmm. we talked to earlier, I was talking about not wanting to look up 2B's asshole yeah. for an entire game. Um, the, uh, I don't want to name them because I don't you know, want to talk, talk smack, but there's a YouTuber mm-hmm. who, who I follow who was talking about something, talking about uh, going back to a, a game that they'd bounced off of. And they said something that made me feel like an absolute alien uh-huh. where they were like, the main thing that I get from games is how the graphics look and how the music are. So I'm very rarely disappointed in games. Like I see that stuff in the trailer and I know at least I'm going to be able to see, you know, see this and hang out with these characters and listen to this music. And I've never felt more alien to a perspective Wow. than that. I it just like, you know, jaw dropped like, huh? You know, that is a, that is a way to think about something. Like if you're going that gut instinct of just like, this looks good and sounds good. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and just like, that's wild. Yeah. You know, that's it, huh? Huh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know? that's kind of the only reaction that I can have is, yeah. huh. This is very surprising. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, that person also has permission to be that kind of gamer. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's just not me. It's, it's, it's a kind of an analysis that I can reject too. And I get real annoyed when I sometimes listen to a video game podcast and all they talk about is the premise, the setup and, you know, a little bit of like, oh, this, the, the, this cool thing that happens thematically. And it's yeah. like, we're get the fireworks factory. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually, it was been a big thing with, uh, the game that shall not be named right now. Oh is, yeah. And, and talking about how to discuss that because like, you know, big shout out, like there've been a couple of really great reviews of that. Yeah. Uh, Gita Jackson, they did a really great review for Polygon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Will's review of yes. it. And uh, the reason why I like those is because like culturally, I'm very interested in that cultural discussion, yes. right? Like I have trans friends. I consider myself to be, you know, I try to be the best ally I can. Um, I uh, would not, do not want to support the game mm-hmm. that will not be named. Um, all that stuff's interesting to me, but also it's a video game. Yeah. You know, and like tons of people worked on it. Like I wanted to know, like, what is this as a game? Yeah. That's still got to be part of the conversation. Right. You know, Uh, (laughs) I didn't want to just like, here's the premise and here's, and some of the positive reviews of that game were basically what you're talking about. This made me, this, this made me feel like I, you know, was in this world that I really treasured as a, as a young child. Yeah. Which is a data point, but it's not the only data point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the only thing that is is contained within that games are big and complicated yeah you know so finding something that like holistically looked at everything including how it played not just like how it looked sounded or what happened like what themes it was engaging with Mm -hmm. was something i was very hungry for and it took a little bit to get Mm -hmm. it took a little while yeah and almost like reviews that are not necessarily under the gun of an embargo deadline uh tend to be a little bit more thought out (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, 100%. Like, and yeah, who are, that are not also, they didn't fly the, uh, the journalist out to like Candyland. No. To, you know, Big Rock Candy Mountain to, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So just, uh, that's, that's kind of a scattering of epiphany like things. Yeah. Ep- you know? Epiphany esque. Yeah. Yeah. Th- things that all of this comes down to knowing yourself better. Yeah. You know, and, and knowing, uh, knowing what you like and where you're going to fall on this stuff and mm-hmm. getting, gaining a perspective. And I think that's the, that's the trick, you know, yeah. like in all of these things, you can be like, no, I actually really like saving my consumables. Like I really, you know, it's important to me to try to stay up on all the modern games because I really enjoy being part of that conversation. That's cool. Like, and not yeah. trying to you know take that away from you. These are just things that when we say epiphany, we're not saying we found universal truths. We're yeah. founding, we're found things that made it work easier for us. Yeah. Like the, 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 the epiphany is like, I get to decide how I feel about this. You know, it is yeah. that, it is that, uh, <laughs> radical individualism, I think is, is how you said it earlier. Yeah. And it's like, no, my, my buttons are on the inside. My buttons are not on the outside. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that, that for you can include us not pressing your buttons when we give our own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode until we read your responses, which we recorded at another time. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> here they are. And we did all the other stuff then. Now to read your responses uh, to the, this month's games, I'm going to get started here with some responses about Luca. Uh, first one here from Andrew, uh, Andrew from the Slack. Hey, Andrew. Andrew says, I don't hate Luca so far, but I don't really like it. And it feels weird to be so neutral on what seems to be such a polarizing game. It reminds me of the Mitch Hedberg joke to paraphrase. You either love Luca or you hate it or you think it's just kind of okay. Uh, I thought I'd be bothered by the art, but I don't feel strongly about it. At first, I disliked having so many very similar combat styles thrown at me, but I figured out a play style that works okay for me. It's not particularly fun, but the sound design goes a long way towards making it feel satisfying. Even the mysterious dialogue and themes just feel very whatevs. Knowing the main dev grew up religious makes me appreciate the clearly personal nature of the work, but I'm also kind of over media that feels like it's ambiguous for ambiguity's sake. Maybe I'll feel more strongly one way or another once it forces me to play through a second time. I get, I have a guess on which way that'll push me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, the, you basically got it all there. Like the, the feeling of it being, uh, it's, it's one person's thing and it's very personal and it's about their experience. So it's genuine, but also, uh, too obtuse yeah. for, for its own good. Like where it still kind of pushed me away too well. Like it's meters, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a balancing thing for me. Yeah. And I, I kind of agree with you on saying it's, it feels weird to just feel kind of mid about something like this, something yeah. that is, you know, as opinionated in its design. Right. And, you know, kind of no middle sliders in terms of visuals and the way it chooses to tell its story and stuff to kind of see all of that and then come out like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I I haven't thought about Luca at all. Since right, we, he did it. I again, that feels mean because it's it's clearly a, a really personal work. But I, it did not leave a big impression in my like in my life. I think. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, Dylan writes. Luca reminds me of Gary's forty seventy ninety rule uh, from the early episodes of Bonfireside Chat. Games that explain forty percent of their lore are too nebulous to really make anything of it, often providing more questions than answers. 
um, as gamers wish cast their lore into the aether. However, a games that explain 90% of their lore often go so far as to disallow players from diving into their own interpretations or feelings about what the game might mean. The sweet spot is that 70%, enough to provide direction and clues uh, that the players can then riff off of and discover for themselves. Luca is interesting and frustrating for straddling both sides of the rule, like the enlightened centrist that it is. Uh, <laughs> ooh, <man. laughs> uh, enlightened centrist, that's not a thing you say. That's not a nice thing to say. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, the, fr- the first run through of the game uh, is smack in the 40% side, especially in how characters change line shapes. Uh, can't really call them sprites, can I? Uh, and the, la- the landscape is a vaguer interpretation thereof. Uh, but upon that second playthrough, the game shifts massively to the 90% side and explains everything right off of the bat which is anticlimactic as all hell and ends up being unfulfilling as I felt like uh, no real effort went toward my ability to interpret the game on its own terms. Perhaps this is, as was discussed on the episode, due to the developer's fervent desire for everyone to understand what was going on. I get that. I'm not a game designer, but I'm sure developers are under mental pressure, not to, uh, they're under mental pressure uh, to make their message known. But that kind of separates Luca from a Hollow Knight or, or Dark Souls, where the developer has the confidence for players to figure out to figure out the game, or the confidence to accept that some people just might not get it. For my own purposes, I liked Luca a lot. That evil vaporwave aesthetic can carry a game far, man. It, evil vaporwave is pretty good. Yeah. The uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's a, even though I do think that like the second playthrough, it starts at ninety. Mm-hmm. And then goes right back to 40. Yeah. You know, it, it starts with all the stuff, but we're still dealing with like the same character referred to by multiple names and not just for gender reasons, you know, which yeah, is, which yeah. is obviously also for, uh, obtustress reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it does aesthetically. I have no problems with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like the music. I like how it looks quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, about Luca Bo says, uh, hi, although I play alongside the show without writing in for the discussions, I thought it reply specifically for Luca because you brought up wanting to hear from its queer player base. I was expecting to like this game considerably more than I did. I was piqued by the positive coverage it received from Aaron signal and became actively interested when hearing the synopsis of the game. One's trauma of grappling with one's religious upbringing told through a queer lens relatable. However, despite my being in the group for whom this game was speaking, I found the narrative to fall flat, not only because of its poor storytelling, but also because of the brilliance with which other art objects have more artfully accomplished similar goals. I know that it's Duckfeed policy uh, not to hold that the perfect is the enemy of the good, but the entire function of the plot seems only even remotely efficacious if it was taken as a cousin of media, which has actually done the work of medially representing the, its concerns with the religious oppression faced by people the world over, but by queer people herein specifically. Every piece of iconography in the game either seems nearly plagiarized from media which more cannily investigates tensions of personal religion, your winter's lights, sinners get ready, and Binky's brown, or a broad reference to queer online frustrations vented in shorthand on places like Twitter or Tumblr. I just didn't find that it used any collating elements of play or storytelling available in games to effectively investigate what it demands we see as aggressively dramatic. Thanks for the show. Y'all are rad. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like the idea that this, uh, like one, you know, I, something I try to remind myself all the time as like a cis straight het, you know, dude, uh, is that no oppressed people are a monolith. Right. Right. So like, just be, I'm really happy to hear from you, Bo. Uh, there are probably are people who, you know, queer people in the community who this did really resonate with, mm-hmm. but you're not a hive mind. I think that's mm-hmm. something that's really easy for, you know, cis folk to forget cis uh, straight folk to forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that like this is playing in a theme, you know, I, the, the experience of this being laser targeted at you, mm-hmm. you know, for your interests, but just not doing it very well. It's interesting. It's not enough to be, to have something like marketed towards you or be about something you're interested in. The execution also really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No notes. Yeah. I, I just, uh, that, that, that all, that all tracks for me. It makes sense. What does uh, Chaz say about Citizen Sleeper? Yeah, moving on to Citizen Sleeper. Uh, Chaz says, Citizen Sleeper was my last-minute game of the year for 2022. As I subscribed to Game Pass to binge-slash-mop up some of the year's indies in December. I really love the writing throughout, but my favorite moment of writing is a small one. You babysit Mina so Lem can go to work. As Mina is gradually warming up to you, uh, it describes her pantomiming walking her stuffed rabbit up my arm. It was a small moment, uh, but it succeeded for me in how I instantly could picture that moment, as well as times I've had that same experience in trying to entertain children in my own life. In the end, I left the station with Lem and Mina. I wanted to get them onto the ship uh, and stay on the station as I wasn't sure how my sleeper would have access to the medicine I needed on the ship, but I couldn't bring myself to part from my found family. Yeah, uh, that is a really nice, relevant detail. That is, uh, yeah, yeah, the you know, just uncomfortable enough with you to, you know, just have my, have my toy near you and play with you with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and walking a stuffed animal down mm-hmm. somebody's body is like an incredibly specific, but relatable yeah. little bit of, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No, no notes as well. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, Naveen, uh, says, uh, love the episode on Citizen Sleeper. It was one of my favorite games of last year, and it was a delight to hear Wolf cover it so soon. I think I'm mostly in agreement with your opinions on the game, but I want to dig a little bit into the question of whether the game would have been more effective if the protagonist was less of a cipher. While I certainly understand that this comes to taste, I found the ability to place myself into the role of the sleeper to be quite effective in getting my buy-ins to the struggles being faced, similar to other empathy simulators, such as Cart Life or Papers, Please. Basically, by having the sleeper be a nothing character, it helped me put myself in the role of a helpless nobody on the station finding community and family while struggling to to survive. It also calls to mind the tabletop games that Citizen Citizen Sleeper takes for inspiration, where the player is left to define their character in relation to the world. In any case, totally valid that you guys wanted more from the sleeper as a character, but that begs the question... Are there types of games or scenarios where the cipher player character can work better than one that is more defined? So I uh, think I think in the answer to the last question that kind of gets to some you know other thoughts about cipher characters in general and even the tabletop uh, kind of kind of feel like th- there are games that have that have done that but the important thing is like I'm thinking specifically of uh, Bioware games, Mass Effect, and then especially um, Dragon Age Origins where mm-hmm. 
in player creation, the choices that you make uh, at the start define define a past that is referenced or impacts certain things. Um, I think in Citizen Sleeper, and especially as it um, you know mimics or apes table tabletop play, even tabletop play will have you make a couple of character trait decisions. Not just you, the player, are this are are, are this person. You are inhabiting somebody else. And much like I think we would have, uh, you know, enjoyed seeing a little bit more of the downside of the political and economic system that you faced, you know, the the, the hardships that are present on the eye and in the setting as a whole. Um, I really, in a game that is talking about, you know, how much of you as human and how much of, you know, the past should you hold on to in the face of these, you know, kind of extreme circumstances, having anything definite about the past, about your character, about what you were like or what you uh, uh, kind of came from. I think that would have only served to bring a little bit more specificity to the to, to, to the narrative and thus make it, you know, thus just kind of improve it broadly overall. Like specificity is the issue, yeah. right? So like in a tabletop game, you start as a cipher. You're just mm-hmm. you, but then the you that's there makes decisions that define the character. Like you will end up with a, if you're at least when I play a tabletop game, when you're role-playing, you end up creating a character. Yeah. Uh, even if you end up creating it through the course of your decisions, the issue that I had with citizen sleeper was that there is not a character there. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just a helpful robot, you know, like your, your goal, the way to succeed in the game is to be a saint and do everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. And not particularly have like a very strong opinion about it. Yeah. You know, you, the player can have an opinion about it, but your character doesn't have a lot. And there are like little tricks you can do in video games to, to present this where like, you know, if there was a little bit more flavor to the dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. your dialogue choices that you could respond with. Maybe if they didn't feel quite so blank. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that, where it just ended up feeling like I was literally playing a helper bot at points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, uh, a cypher character works in a game where character is not important to it. Yeah. Like it works in like oblivion because uh, all I'm trying to do in that game is be the, the God King of every guild and see all the stuff. Like yeah. it has got nothing to do with character. Like it's not it's, got nothing to do with stories. There's no characterization happening right. in that game. It's not about that, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's not pretending to be about that either. You know, That's like except in yeah. main, you know, in main stories where you, you know, just like, oh yeah, you're, you're the chosen one, which is basically not a characterization at all. That also yeah. may as well be a, a, a cipher. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it, it really is. It's the normal thing for video games to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the exceptions, you know, even games I love. Right. So like, so not bad mouthing stuff like in the early fallouts, yeah. you don't really play a character in those. You know, you can have kind of an idea of like, I'm going to be an abolitionist. I'm going to be a scumbag. I'm going to be a mercenary. You can kind of do make choices like that, but you're not playing too much of a guy, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a reason why things like torment, you know, or disco Elysian stand out because like in torment, you literally have amnesia, but you were a character, mm-hmm. a very strongly defined character with a very strongly defined voice, uh, yeah. many of them. And you get to decide which one you resonate with most. Mm hmm. You know, to me, I find a lot more truth in that than being a, uh, you know, the main character, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Like a cipher is always the main character and the world revolves around a cipher, no matter Mm -hmm. what. Uh, If you can be a character, you can be part of the world. And that's kind of what, what I think we were picking up on. 
Yeah. Agreed. Um, Ethan writes in, this has ending spoilers. Uh, So if you do not want to hear this, you know, fast forward about two minutes, two, three minutes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Ethan writes, hello, it was great to hear you guys discuss this game. You didn't talk about it during the episode, so I'm not sure if you have read this particular ending. But if you decide to leave uh, to leave the eye with Lem and Mina uh, on the horizon, the game delivers a truly crushing gut punch. For me, I got carried away by Lem's big talk of starting fresh on a completely new planet. Uh, This dream of an idyllic home with found family seemed the most attractive option. The sleeper and their new family boarded the ship uh, with such excitement and hope. However, I clearly wasn't thinking about the consequences of abandoning the eye and abandoning the sleeper's source of stabilizer. Slowly over the years, the sleeper begins to break down despite Lem and Mina's attempts to fix them. Uh, Eventually, the sleeper begins shutting down for longer and longer intervals until one day Lem isn't there anymore. Uh, It's just the sleeper and Mina. At some point, Mina has to shut down all but the sleeper's most vital systems. To the player's knowledge, Mina is left all alone on the new colony world, and the sleeper never gets to experience their dream of living in peace with their new family. After that, I needed to put the controller down and take a mental break uh, to process everything. This ending was uh, in the back of my mind when Gary was describing this game as, quote, hope punk. Uh, for me, uh, the, <laughs> the hopefulness was a real selling point, and this bleak ending definitely surprised me. While the eye was home and good people were there to help support each other, the sleeper themselves was trapped there. Um, it was a prison in its own right. While helpful, the stabilizer synthesized from the fungus is one of the only reliable resources the sleeper sent, uh, the only reliable resources for the sleeper, essentially chaining them to that place. Uh, the sleeper couldn't escape the reality of what S and ARP did to them. This specific ending runs contrary to the hope punk feeling uh, of this game to deliver a real unforeseen gut punch flying in the face of the game's earnest optimism. I, I wish I got that ending. That's brutal. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. that deals with, with consequence and deals with, you know, your character's past and what they mm-hmm. are. You know, it puts yeah. it at the forefront as opposed to making it, um, you know, a chore that you can basically obviate mm-hmm. uh, throughout the game. Like, I, yeah, I just didn't get it. That's cool that it's there. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the other, the endings that I did get, the other stuff that I did do was pretty sunny mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Same. But I'm happy that's there. Yeah. That, uh, that, that detail of just going out for longer and longer, one day dilemma just isn't there. Um, mm-hmm. That is devastating. You just the idea you're just uh you know like one day you wake up and this younger relative is you know years older than the last time you saw them. Like that is one of the most existentially upsetting parts of the movie uh, Synecdoche, New York. You know, yeah. Just like you know, in, in between scenes, this person who is four years old suddenly a teenager and hates you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a it's a cool it's a, a super cool idea. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, again, that, uh, I think that's a narrative at least satisfying ending. I liked my mm-hmm. ending too, where I became a plant God. It just was, <laughs> you know, it wasn't particularly bleak, mm-hmm. you know, um, moving on to, uh, responses about Subnautica. Uh, Tom says as a scuba diver and part-time, uh, thalassophobe, that's a uh, fear of depths. Uh, Subnautica captures and amplifies both the wonder and the horror of deep water. 
I've poured countless hours into the game and scanned every type of Leviathan, but I have never ventured an inch out onto the crater edge or gone beyond the Aurora. The very thought of that murky water full of Reapers with the sheer sides of the Aurora looming impossibly high above puts me into panic mode. The game handles discovery and the unknown so well. If I could wipe one game from my memory and experience it fresh, it would be this one. Hmm. There, Tom, you're you're not alone. There's a, there's at least one other person uh, with the lassophobia who wrote in about this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, uh, but they are not somebody who also scuba dives. So yeah. good, good on you for conquering that. With uh, fire. Yeah, naming yeah. your fears and thus <laughs> and thus them. containing them. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and that is um, like I, I like I get it. I I I, I get the fear, I, and I've definitely been. Uh, made anxious about depths and games. I think everybody has, you, you know, at least of a certain age has a distinct memory of swimming down into the sunken ship in Mario 64 and being chased out by the eel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, Subnautica didn't, didn't, uh, trigger that for me. It's just, yeah. you know, ph- ph- phobia profiles. Yeah. I, I sometimes in, in this game didn't get me, scared of being in water other than the things that are in water at all. But like I get mm-hmm. terrified playing Tomb Raider yeah. and being in the water. Like part of it is the, the lack of control. It's, it's the, the fear of stuff sneaking up behind me basically. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Clayton writes, Hey guys, longtime listener, first time response. Thank you. Um, in Subnautica, I always had background music via my headphones alongside my headset. Role-playing as if my Altera PDA uh, had my library of music created an epic moment. I was standing on the precipice of the second magma zone. I was quite nervous, uh, and Maggie's Farm by Rage Against the Machine was reaching its breakdown, and I mustered all the courage I could, cranked the tunes up to 11, and used my grapple arm to propel myself forward, and I flew past the sea dragon as its fireballs rained down behind me as I reached the portal room. Very cinematic and awesome. Very metal. Fun, uh, Fun coincidences. Yeah. Uh, rage against the, uh, the Marines, rage against the Marine. <laughs> yeah, that's there we good. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Rage, rage against, against the Marine. Marine. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you there was something there. in there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been recorded a while. Give me, give me some, some grace. Uh, Jake says, uh, as somebody with a crushing fear of open water, Subnautica spent a few years on the list of games that I own, but had no interest in playing. Hearing on the schedule pushed me to give it a try. And I'm really glad that I did. More than any other game I played, Subnautica made me feel empowered as I made progress. I went from spending five hours swimming around the safe shallows because I was too freaked out to stray into the kelp. There's mean dogs in there. Uh, to fearlessly piloting my cyclops through an active volcano. Unfortunately, I think the game loses a lot of what makes it special as you explore more of it. So much of the fear and excitement comes from not knowing what could be deeper down. And once you know what a particular environment can and can't do, they just don't live up to those first terrified glimpses promise. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get the contained space containment space of it, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like, yeah, like things that, that, and there's, there's value to that, like something that looks scary, but actually can't hurt you that much or that you mm-hmm. can easily run away from, Yeah, you know, there, there's tons of value to that. But yeah. once you know the trick, it's like a magic trick or a joke. It turns you know, into it, a video game. Yeah. 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 It turns <laughs> into a video game. Yeah. Uh, Wesley writes, Subnautica is one of my all-time favorite first two-thirds of a game. 
Uh, hearing a screech of a nearby Leviathan uh, is a truly unique horror that I cherish experiencing for the first time. Exploring in your Seamoth to find the remains, the remnants of others who tried to survive is good fun. Uh, finally, getting to build the Cyclops was so exciting. What new stuff did the Endgame have in store? Oh, a collectathon. And wait, the story ends with this overexplained nonsense? The horror of the of the Leviathans ended for me when I got trapped in an endgame area. I just could not get around this thing to escape, so I resorted to shocking it and slowly beating it down with a knife. This killed the horror of exploration, and the collectathon vibes really kicked in for me. Finishing the game became a grind that I spent uh, that, that I spent reminiscing about those feelings uh, that the early game gave me. Yeah, I, I, I would like I actually really like the plot stuff at the end, mm-hmm. but the gameplay, like the, you know, the grocery shopping at the end yeah. is when it got most tedious for me. Yeah, I, I've you not know. heard people say, oh, yeah, that's where this game sings, where you're going to get these uh, yeah, collect you the know. 10 doodads for the 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 sperm potion or whatever yeah. to make yiggies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- nobody loves that. You know, it, it's just silly. Like, it, it's I don't know how to do a climax in a game that is ultimately like you collect this many rocks, how to do a mechanical mm-hmm. climax other than collecting rocks. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, we talked about one thing being like having to get through a very tough monster zone or something. That's kind of what outer wilds did. Yeah. You know, yeah. with going through the, uh, I can't remember what it's called the thorns. Yeah. Uh, go through the go eyes. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even that was a little bit frustrating. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how you do a climax to a, to a game like this necessarily and absolutely land it. Yeah. I don't have a record you know. on it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, Guilum, uh says, I know that most letters will veer into thalassophobia, but I can't help doing it too. The game scares the shit out of me. It's a beautiful, magical, singular game that also sparks fear like nothing else. I like to say this is because of the game's perfect grasp of cosmic insignificance and the casual cruelty of both nature and bureaucracy, but really it's just the Reapers. But All of that conceptual stuff falls away when there's an angry demon the size of a jet jetliner rushing out of the murk to scream in your face and eat you. It's just <laughs> so brutal. It's a lot like the demon fish in Outer Wilds. Scary, yes, but also really kind of low blow. Uh, maybe compared to the, uh, where the rest of the game was pitched. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Smart games have the right to raw monster. It just feels a bit out of character when it happens. They are pretty great, though. They have those good faces, demon skull <laughs> sharks with fins and claws that make them a bit spidery, really playing all the hits as far as nightmare fuel goes. <laughs> Mostly they're arg monsters of the lowest kind, and they should be cast into the abyss, not as punishment or judgment, but because I think they'd have a nice time. Uh, <laughs> also, I'm from Subna Utica, and I never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Mm. Uh, that is deep. Uh, yes, uh, I really like the crab squid sound design. It's like somebody fed a sleeping giant, a talk box. Yeah. Weird, weird, uh, uh, theming, you know, the mm-hmm. idea of the monsters being kind of a, a low blow. We just recorded, uh, unfilmable about creep, unfilmable mm-hmm. about creep, which has like way more jump scares than it should. Yeah. And yeah. it feels a little bit like a low blow for the, the tenor the movie's going for, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, and and also like how um, uh, temporary that is. Like, it's a trick that only works a couple of times with these monsters, right? And eventually, yeah. they it, it just oh, it's a video game. Yeah, you just remember that. And that is a that is a line that horror games have to walk all the time. You know? Yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for writing in. We really appreciate you. We do. Uh, um, if you have thoughts about next month's games, uh, which are Cuphead, uh, the coin game, Mark of the Ninja, or Crisis, write in by uh, March the 15th uh, at uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Uh, um, and if you have responses about multiple games, please separate them into multiple responses. Yeah. I've been having a lot of fun in my house playing a little character I like to call Mark O the Ninja, who mm. is an Irish ninja who lives in my house. Hmm. Um, the, uh, <laughs> uh talks to pocket. Does, does he do anything different? He mostly walks around, talks like a cop. Okay. He mostly walks around going, how are you tonight today? And then sometimes going, the child. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you're, you're so canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's still safe to do fake yeah, Irish cop accents. Yeah. Uh, if you have anything to say about April's games, you can write in by April 15th. And those games are Ender Lilies, The Sexy Brutale, and The Quarry. Now, um, it'll be fun. Yeah. I, I fairly, uh, this, uh, we recognize this is a very indie heavy uh, quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably a thing to get used to. We try yeah. to balance that stuff out, but also that line is getting blurrier all the time. See last month's dispatch. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, but the but April 15th, uh, and that is going to be after we go to the Midwest gaming classic. Yes. Uh, March 31st through April 2nd, we will be there, mm-hmm. uh, with or without bells on. We're still getting, it depends on if I can find my bells. Yeah. The, but they've been in storage. We haven't <laughs> gone to a con in a long time. Um, the, uh, so, uh, we're still getting the, everything straightened out for what we're going to do for our panel. And stuff, mm-hmm. but at the very least, we're going to be sitting at a table, and we'd love to talk to you. Yes. So, so come say hi. Get some buttons or something. Please say hi. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't already, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/DuckVTV um, and kick us a few bucks a month. At five dollars, you get the full version of the premium episodes and uh, whole bonus shows and such. And at ten dollars, you get Adaptation Decay our show about video games be adapt- being adapted to other media, um, and uh, Quackstack the show that we do with our producer Gwen, uh, which is a good fun time with a fun theme song that Gary did. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's basically about it. Think so. Um, thank you. Thank you to our producer Gwen. Uh, speaking of her. Yeah. Big thanks. Um, yeah. And, uh, everybody take care. Please see you soon.